And welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. We are your host. I am Steve. He is David. He is Wally. Before I toss it to the boys to see how their weekend was, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by TabEase.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure to use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping. David, we haven't seen you the longest. How was your weekend, my man? Good to have you back. Weekend was good. Can't complain. Um, got to watch a lot of sports this weekend, both Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which is always a good thing. I, I worked and did a lot of relaxing this weekend, so I'm in a I'm in a good place. Plus, I'm going to Florida this week again, so you know, get lost, nerds. God, you guys all are just going to nice weather and enjoying your life. And it, again, I hate you guys a little. <laughs> I didn't do anything. I've been freezing my ass off here, Wally. That's true. I don't know why. Just like I think the Vegas trip, I'm just like he goes on trips too. We were, were both there. On that. <laughs> I am going to count. Aruba in February, though. You can tell me to fuck off then. I will. I will tell you to fuck off then. I'll tell David to fuck off now. But the other thing I think we have to bring up before Stephen, we hear how your weekend was as well. How about that game yesterday? The Argentina France World Cup final. Wild. I literally. I think it was the best soccer game I've ever watched in my life. I, I think I even told David and them earlier too. It's just like, I feel almost sad that I have to go back and watch like Stoke city soccer after this. Cause it's, it looks like a different sport. That was unbelievable. Imagine being like a diehard MLS fan and having to be like, Oh, now we get to go back to this. Well, Hey, they're about to bring in the goat, right? Yeah, they are. I, like, almost didn't watch football because, like, after that game, they just drive you right into, like, the 405 fucking, what was it, like, Steelers-Panthers or something on Fox? I don't even remember. Was it Steelers? It's, like, an awful game. You just go from top tier, like, pinnacle of the sport match to maybe the third worst matchup in in the entire fucking league this year. In three minutes, like you said, you literally, you're going from tears, literal tears of joy. People, like, Around, I think, the U.S., you, you got more of that, like, soccer fandom where people haven't watched this sport really ever. They're like, holy shit, if it's like this all the time, I'd watch it. And then two minutes later, you're to your point. Yeah, we're watching Sam Darnold and Mitch Trubisky play quarterback. Thank God there's two one o'clock games on because I I just said, fuck it. I just threw it on to the Jags Cowboys, which ended up doing pretty well for me. Don't forget the huge shout-out here. My man, Adam Alfonso, the motherland, bringing back the trophy. Shout-out to the Alfonso family. A bunch of them are from Argentina. We, I got to run into them during the wedding. Those guys fucking party, first of all. And second of all, great people. They brought Adam into this world. I guess they can't be too bad. So, Fonzas, congrats to you guys. Live it up the next three and a half years. Three and a half. That's all we have to wait for the next World Cup. This has to be the shortest duration we've waited. Even though it's only six months, still better. I mean, imagine back in like the late 40s, early 50s after World War II, where you had 10, 12 years off between. So to have three and a half, it's just a short little night, a little sleep for us. Because next summer, too, I love the Women's World Cup as well. Because I, first of all, I, I'm like everybody else that was an American that got into soccer late, where you get annoyed with the flopping from time to time. You don't see that in, in the women's game at all. And it really is easy to bet, just simply put. You bet on the U.S., you bet on France, and you bet on Japan, and you're going to leave the World Cup with a lot of money. Yeah, you're sprinkle a little bit in Brazil. But, yeah, I think that's why people who actually enjoy soccer like watching the Women's World Cup because there's actually something to root for 
it's not very often that when you have USA represented as a whole country that they're going to be the bottom tier of sports with all the domination they've had with the Olympics. We know what the men's basketball team has done and, and just in general. So for them to be bad, we're like, man, it's really not that, that much fun watching the men, but the women, they're electric. They light you up. They, they'll win like what they won. What was that game they won last, last world cup or the one it was like nine, nothing or something. Oh yeah. They, they occasionally play some of these countries that are newer to the sport in the, the women's game. And then all of a sudden it is like playing Madden on easy mode. And you almost feel bad for the other country by like halftime in these games. I don't, when you're to your point, when I'm betting on them, I don't feel bad at all. I'm trying to get my money. Last thing on this for me, at least to your point about the U S it's weird to see us not dominate something. I also think that's a reason why we don't see the fandom is large here because when we're not dominating a sport or anything else, it's that American oh. way of life. Like we're not good. Then it's a stupid oh, sport. What am I watching? Yeah. I, I don't, I, this is so stupid. And I, I don't, I don't, I've never understood the people out there. Like what's the point of just putting down another sport for your own? I, I never understand that. I'm in hot. I we have no one. If- we have no NFL news this week. Let's get right into this could have been done in the email section here. We'll start it off where David's Cleveland Browns come out victorious with the Tyler Huntley-led Ravens 13-3 to over here. The Ravens do have an easy schedule here through the last three with Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. Maybe Cincinnati is resting the starters. Maybe that game comes down to something important there in week 18. But the Ravens are going down, and the Browns are ending the season on a high note. That's all you can ask for at this point, right, David? I don't even know who the Cleveland Browns are. Never heard of them. Good for you. Um, I live there. Yeah. I. Anyways, uh, you know, in, in reality, there's not much to take away from this one for me. Uh, it, again, it's just, yeah, shake Deshaun Watson's rust off. Two years, just throw him in game speed and, and live with the results right now. Even in, in victory, he wasn't very good. Finished 18 to 28, 161 yards, a touchdown. Had a sub-65 passing grade from PFF. I mean, he struggled to push the ball downfield. He only had like a four and a half yard average length of of throw. I got, I'm really butchering that. But anyways, there you uh, go. On the flip side, you know, Miles Garrett had a, a phenomenal performance and and helped close out the final drive with two sacks. Big nightmare game for those who were screaming, "Keep Watson, trade Garrett!" Like three weeks ago. Big big nightmare game for those people. No kidding. And the people in general that thought Miles Garrett hasn't achieved or hasn't lived up to expectations in Cleveland, you need to take a break. Go go sit out for the next eight months. We'll see you in August. But Baltimore, they are in deep trouble. I think that they're realistically, I mean, they're, I think they might have won their last game of the season, guys. Next week, I think, is their last realistic chance to get a win against Atlanta. They're going to lose to the Steelers and they're going to lose to the Bengals at the end of the year because the Bengals will be playing for something. And then no matter who it is in the first round, they're done. Not going to happen. Atlanta. Wait, did you hear that? It's it's the sound of Lamar Jackson's contract going up. You're right. How can, how can he hear it all the way there in Detroit? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> He's right outside Ford Field to the people at home listening. <laughs> Well, I guess but it's only a couple hours from you, so it makes sense you can hear it. Yeah, you know, it's got the megaphones. He'll figure it out right on the lake. Atlanta, though, they go to New Orleans. Desmond Ritter gets his first start. Not going to lie to you, 
lot to be desired from that performance. But realistically, if you don't get a Drake London fumble on the last drive of the game for Atlanta, we might be talking about a Falcons team primed to win the division. New Orleans just cannot get it right. To Desmond Ritter's point, 50% completion percentage, 97 passing yards, 38 rushes, but he was sacked four times in his debut. How about my man Tyler Algier having a career day, but it somehow doesn't stop Jawan Johnson, his career day. Question mark career? He had two touchdowns. I guess that's so far so good. Nobody hates the Southern divisions in the NFL more than me. New Orleans would have ruined the Falcons' chances at the playoffs, but somehow the Tampa Bay Bucks still choked away another win. And, you know, here we are going to watch a, a losing team make the playoffs. And I just hate – I hate it. That's all I got to say. I hate it. I hate them. I hate the Falcons, the Saints, the Bucks, and the Panthers. And speaking of that terrible Panthers team, they welcomed in about 50,000 Yenzers and the Pittsburgh Steelers for this game. A lot of terrible towels. And surprisingly, or not surprisingly, depending on who you are, Mitch Trubisky played really, really well in this game and included a 21-play, 91-yard drive. And fun fact for you guys, that is one of 20, 20-plus 20 play drives that has taken place since 2001. Extremely rare, also a sign that the Steelers' offense, not exactly explosive. I, Pittsburgh did Pittsburgh things. I mean, the defensive line dominated. They win because Trubisky doesn't throw, you know, a handful of interceptions like the last time we saw him play. Um, I didn't even watch this game because I just wasn't excited about either of these teams. So You didn't miss much. Yeah. Unless you took the under, beat in the ass. But the teaser under hit, so I liked that. I had a six-team teaser that hit because of this under, so I appreciate it. But you know what? Kudos to Mitch Trubisky getting a win coming back to North Carolina. Oh, good point. I didn't even think about that. Good call, Steven. Yeah, yeah, because fuck UNC. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles fly into Soldier Field, and they end up beating the Bears 25-20. to 20. And trust me, the Bears are extremely competitive in this game. And I'll be the first one to say it. Justin Fields is ridiculous. My God, if he didn't step out on that almost a 55-60 yard rushing touchdown i mean what he did just to even stay upright was ridiculous we all know we've all been hyping up the bears and what they're going to be here around this time maybe next year but the eagles grind out a win behind jalen hurts two interception and with the news that he's going to be out potentially sunday with a shoulder injury sorry for anyone who hasn't been fantasy kylie looking at you sweetheart justin Fields single-handedly kept the bears in it with an electric performance on the ground but he's still not making the steps forward as a, a passer that I, I would like to see. But he's definitely not the bust I thought he was going to be at the start of the season. The one concerning thing for me is to see, like, the absolute stinker performance that Jalen Hurts put through in the air. I mean, he dominated the run game, and that's, you know, another reason he's probably going to win MVP because what he fails to do in the pass, he more than makes up for on the ground. But the turnovers, which he hasn't had a lot of, we discussed that, I think, two pods ago, maybe three. But he hasn't had a lot of turnovers, but those need to not exist if they're going to get to the Super Bowl. That just can't – games like that can't happen. Even if you're making it up on the ground, games like that can't happen in the playoffs. It looked like a disaster situation for a while, to your point, for Philadelphia. And we'll get into maybe later about – it sounds like Gardner Minshew is going to actually start this next week. And it might actually be more than a week. 
Sounds like Jalen Hurts throwing shoulders hurt. We don't know the severity as of yet. Something to keep your eye on at home. But instead, they did survive in the Windy City. And it was a crazy about 30-minute stretch. Because it felt like for a while that the Cowboys might be playing the Eagles this next week to win the one seed in the NFC. And instead, the Eagles survive. The Cowboys choke. And now the Eagles can rest Jalen Hurts. They can wait for the postseason. But naturally, Justin Fields, he's the third quarterback in NFL history to rush for 1,000 yards in a season. That's worth noting. Worried about his longevity with all these injuries and all these hits he's taken. But that run, that was a Michael Vick overtime run. Had he stayed in, it would have been one of those plays that lived on for, for years and years. Sadly, it didn't happen. But, hey, it, this is all about next year. Keep Hurts healthy. Go get him some wide receivers to throw to. And we can reevaluate next season. I need to reevaluate my brain because every time I pick a Houston Texans game, it goes poorly, boys. This went to overtime. The Kansas City Chiefs outgained the Houston Texans 502 to 219, and the game went to overtime. Very deceptive score. I guess respect to the Texans for still fighting hard for Lovey Smith. But what are we thinking about? Is this a. Like, are we giving the Chiefs a, a break? Because we kind of were horse on Dallas last week. No, I'm not giving the Chiefs a break, and I'm pissed. Texans plus 14 was ripe for the taking. It was free money. And we all thought, no way. There's no way to compete with a real team again. And what an absolute fucking mistake that was. And I'm I'm distraught over it. But it's an absolute yuck game from the Chiefs defense. And it took a near, a literal near-perfect game from Patrick Mahomes to keep them coming out on top. I I mean he he only he threw like 44 times, only had like five incompletions or something and I mean it was a near perfect game from him and they still almost lost to Houston. Houston's just been humbling people here and it's going to make me probably take their money line over these next 3 weeks because it just feels like they're they're that close to just just to getting another win. They've locked up the number 1 seed. Now they can really pin back the ears and and quote-unquote play ball but how the hell did Houston stay competitive with being outgained more than half four punts which I know it doesn't sound ridiculous but we're talking about a Kansas City Chiefs offense that if they punt once then everyone's freaking out and the world's falling two fumbles and a missed field goal Kansas City really had the opportunity to take advantage and they started off a little bit slow Houston I think Houston scored the first touchdown in this game but I'm not backing down I didn't give Dallas a pass. I'm not, I'm not giving Kansas City a pass. You have to blow the doors off teams like this. I don't care if it's if a team you don't play often. They're a one-win team. We still got the win. It doesn't matter. You should have gotten the win three quarters ago. There's no reason that you needed to go to overtime for it. I want to make you guys guess what the line is next week for Houston traveling to Tennessee. Houston plus eight. I was going to go plus eight and a half. Plus seven. So obviously Vegas is worried. Give me that all day. Yeah, that's like Vegas giving Houston a lot of respect. It's also saying that Tennessee frauds. That's what I read on that is Vegas is calling Tennessee a fraud. Well, we'll we'll get into it about what Tennessee is doing and who that potential starter is going to be this week. There's gonna there's a lot of time from you know from now until Saturday or Sunday when they play. But that might that might be the Malik Willis starting. So I almost want to jump on that right now before that that seven turns into a three and a half, four. 
if Malik Willis plays in that game, Houston's going to win. Period. No, Houston's going to win now. Derrick Henry's going to have over 100 yards. He's going to have a touchdown. Houston money line. And that's there right. Is the dream. Doesn't he have like a million yards against them in the last three years? I think he has almost a thousand yeah. yards over their last four matchups or something ridiculous like that. Damn it, that's tough. Kansas City won their seventh straight division title on Sunday. It is a sick world that I'm stuck in and will not get out of for 15 years, boys. And that sucks as a Raiders fan because yeah, I know this season hasn't gone, but they're gonna they're gonna do I think they'll be just fine. I think this season will bleed into next season. But just knowing that you're it doesn't matter. Like you're fighting for a wild card spot. Unless Pat Mahomes tears his ACL or is out for a year-long injury, you guys are just fighting for a wild card spot. And that's so unfair. It, like, is this how Vikings and Bears and Lions fans feel when they ever had a good team? And I don't I don't feel bad. Though. I never have a bad a good team, so I don't really feel that bad about it. Uh, anyways. Arizona in Speaking Denver. of two amazing teams. Exactly. The best game of the week. One that I'm sure all three of us were glued to. Everyone Look. at home glued to. Look. What, what else can you say? Brett Rippon versus Trace McSorley. Hand to the Bible. I actually am shocked a single person showed up to the stadium for this game. Like, I... I haven't shocked anyone watch it on TV. I think everyone should have taken a stand and been like, no, nah, I don't want to watch this garbage and see what the NFL did in response. I, holy shit. It could, like, that was the battle of the worst quarterbacks I, that ever started a game this season, I think. I I, I don't know. I, I just, just holy shit. Why I didn't even bother. I, didn't, I, I almost didn't even know it was on. That was how bad I was trying to avoid it. I wonder how many. No wonder Steve Kime took that uh, leave of absence for this game. I mean, Brett Rippin versus Trace McSwirly. I I don't blame the guy. I'm sure he's back in the building here already. But I mean, Wally says it best. Brett Rippin, Trace McSwirly. That's all I have to say. My God, how this hit the over is beyond me. Because Denver putting up 24 points. Denver putting up 24 points with Russell Wilson is an anomaly. But you put it up with Brett Rippin. Oh my God. And it was like nine to three in the second half at one point. The fact the overhit, you can't convince it's this is the textbook version of the game. The if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, did it make a sound? That's what this game was. Did did it happen? I don't know. Allegedly. Allegedly. But that's gonna bring us to an end of this could have been done in the email. Let's hop over to the week 15 recap and talk about the games with a lot of playoff implications. The one you guys want to hear. Before we get into our first game, we want you to know this week 15 recap is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're our age where it feels like there's a college graduation, engagement, weddings, baby pictures happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check it out for yourself, abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y. Or go on our Instagram, Saw Down and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. We started off with a Thursday night game where the 49ers head up to Seattle, come out victorious 21 to 13. And to be quite frank with you, I don't think that score, that score line indicates that it was a close game. And it really was San Francisco the whole time. In my opinion, and I'm sure I, hopefully I kind of speak for you guys, Brock Purdy is just proving that they don't need to worry about the quarterback position to still make a playoff run here. He is serviceable enough to get this done. 217 yards. He had two touchdowns. CMC, week after week, proving that he is arguably the best in-season acquisition that we've had via trade. As long as I can remember, 
George Kittle with two touchdowns in that day. Gino and the Seahawks, they just they just kind of look wore down at this point in the season, to be honest with you. That energy and that they were riding high on here mid-year when they were leading the, AF, the NFC West, all of a sudden it's kind of fizzling out, and you can kind of see it on the team. The defense has gone from one of the worst ever to start the year to really functional for about five, six weeks to back to being abysmal. They can't run the ball at all anymore. 70 yards in this game, they ran, and they – didn't even stay committed to it. I mean, they only gave Kenneth Walker the third 12 rushes. He only got 47 yards. The Seahawks are done. It sucks because it this was a really fun team, a storyline I could have at least got into for the postseason. I know they're not technically dead, but they have a gauntlet schedule. And let's not kid ourselves. This is where the ceiling was for this team. They're an 8-9 win team. Geno Smith is a very solid quarterback right now, but he's not better than that. We, we knew – in our heart of hearts that he is he's probably playing above his ceiling right now. And when everything isn't perfect, which it was for a while, this team is an eight, nine win team. And there's nothing else to it. The one thing you have to say though, is that San Francisco, I mean, my God, guys, this team went from being kind of a Los Angeles chargers team for the first two months of the year where you had these expectations. They didn't live up to them. Now, all of a sudden, I think that you can make a very real case that this isn't just the best team in the NFC. This might be the best team in the NFL right now. If they get Brock Purdy to play to the level that he's played so far in these first two weeks, they can beat anybody any given Sunday, and it doesn't matter where it's at. The Seahawks falling to 7-7 seven and seven after an electric start is like extremely disappointing. To your point, probably should have been expected, but a once-thought playoff team is basically on the outside looking in. Like I think they're the first slot outside of the playoffs behind the the Giants and, and Commanders who are the last two wildcard spots. I mean, they're going to have to find a way to win two of three against the Chiefs, Jets, and Rams in order to even have a chance at the wild card they got to win all three to even to have like a, a slightly better than 50 percent chance at, at making the playoffs it's kind of sad because like i kind of want to see that team in the playoffs but it's just a tough loss and and unfortunately it it was to be expected against to your point a, a rock solid 49ers team that looks to be the 1b favorite of the nfc in terms of the 49ers, Purdy looks like a capable starter again, not nearly as electric as the first start. He appears to be serviceable and good enough, but I'm still weary until we get three to five starts in. I, I think he's better than than Jimmy Garoppolo as a fresh test, but, uh, you know, I, I just I have a hard time with it because he could turn out to be just absolutely horrific next game and, and then what. But he looks serviceable as of now. Um, Kittle had a career game again. So I saw a stat about Kittle, funny enough. Uh, PFF, his highest three graded games are all against the Seahawks. He just puts up unbelievable statistics against Seattle every time they play. Just like bet on him every time they play Seattle. It's just one of those things. He just owns them. But on the other side of the ball, Bosa was pretty electric too. I just, the 49ers are, are a complete football team. They'll give everyone in the NFC a run for their money. And, and you know, I, I, I really only like the, the Eagles better than them right now out of the NFC. So the Seahawks have the Chiefs, Jets, and Rams. They're losing two of those three, right? 
Do you think there's any opportunity for them to actually squeeze into the playoffs? They do have the tiebreaker against the Giants. Giants need to lose two out of the next three, though. I was going to ask, does anybody have the Washington schedule in the back of their head? Yeah, I have it somewhere here. Hold on. Well, while you're looking that up, those three games you brought up, you would imagine the Chiefs realistically are going to score a lot of points in that game. They'll probably fall to seven and eight, but the Jets, who knows? If it's Zach Wilson still, very winnable. And the Rams, Lord knows, that's a very winnable game. So they could get the nine and eight. It's just, are they going to have the help? You've got, here's the fun thing. The Commanders have the 49ers, the Browns, and the Cowboys. Not very sure losable the, all three. Yeah. Yep. Those are those are very losable games. The Browns is probably the only like 50-50 game there. And who knows what the Cowboys will do in the last week of the season? Will be they be resting? Will they not be? Probably will be resting. So it's very possible they win two out of those last three, but they've put themselves in a super tough spot. Yeah, the Giants were the Vikes, the Colts, and the Eagles. But with Jalen Hurts potentially being out, say that the Eagles lose those next two. All of a sudden, Minnesota's breathing right down their neck, and maybe they have to play against the Giants there. This That's might be assuming speaking. Minnesota wins wins out, basically. I mean, I can't assume anything with that damn team right now. I don't. I don't think the Eagles are in a spot. They could lose two, and I think they're still. Oh, they owe the tiebreaker. So you're right. So yeah, I think they could good, lose two, and they'd be fine. I, I, the Eagles would be dumb to even if they're not going to win first place in the NFC, they'd be dumb to play anyone that final week. The last thing they need is for some pivotal player to get hurt right before the playoffs because the Eagles can win on the road or at home. I don't care where it is. They can, they're a good enough team to beat anyone. Especially my man, Garner Minshew. He's, he's playing with a heavy heart right now because of our man, Mike Leach. So you better watch out. He might have a four, five, potentially a 600 yard game here this next Sunday. <laughs> I, I don't know about all that, but it it's getting to the point. Like more. Yeah, probably more. That's probably a low number. It's getting to the point that I will feel personally victimized if we don't get a San Francisco Philadelphia playoff game at some point. That just seems like an amazing, like an amazing matchup on paper. I really need to see it. And I don't care where it is. It's really too early to tell right now, but say that San Francisco gets to the divisional round, right? Is Brock Purdy your guy next year? I know you're kind of on the fence. Like Jimmy G, I think, is going to be out because it's like, okay, now we either have Trey Lance or Brock Purdy. Is he going back to the Trey Lance, or are you going to kind of let Brock Purdy ride here? Your GM's going to gonna make you go back to Trey Lance. They'd have to win a Super Bowl with Purdy Fucking for them John not to Lynch. go back to Trey Lance. I do think John Lynch would have a lot to do with it. There's so much noise about how Kyle Shanahan wanted – nothing to do with Trey Lance and now it's starting to boil to the surface what you'll see happen I think is Trey Lance gets six seven starts to start the year if they start two and five three and four and he's bad you'll get people clamoring for it but if they get a good start I mean you're gonna ride with the guy that you gave up all those assets to go up it's ironic we're talking about a guy that you got in the top three of the draft versus a guy that was quite literally the last pick in the entire thing I know the draw this league, this league, this league is right. And speaking of this league, the Indianapolis Colts were up 33 to nothing at halftime. It was 33 to nothing with less than nine minutes to go in the third quarter. 
The Minnesota Vikings won this game 39 to 36. A game that gives you those win probability metrics, Hall of Fame picture. The thing was literally glued to the Indianapolis Colts 99.9 for like half of this game. And what happens? But the Indianapolis Colts, in one of the most tumultuous seasons they've had in a long time, choke under Jeff Saturday in a standalone game at one o'clock against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. I don't even know where to start, guys. This is, it's literally the biggest comeback in NFL history. It's wild. All right. What's first of all, let's, let's rest the piece. Um, one Matthew Ryan, because now he holds not only the biggest blown lead in the Super Bowl history, but now in NFL history, this guy is tied to it. How does Jeff Saturday still have a job as we're speaking? How happy, or at least some sort of positive emotion is coming out of Frank Reich right now. I don't understand how this, I was watching it. I was watching it unfold. And they just cannot get it done offensively. I'm like, Matt Ryan, what are you guys doing? The Colts are just blowing this. And, you know, you got to give you got to give kudos to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense who never gave up. And this is after the refs took away arguably two defensive touchdowns away from the Vikings. This this game ball right here epi- epitomizes ball don't lie. Took it right at words right out of my mouth, Wally. The ball don't lie in this and it showed it's nice. It sucks when it doesn't show, but it's nice when it does show. Last two weeks, Kirk Cousins, 885 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. Matt Ryan, retire now, bud. Look, I don't want to hear the Matt Ryan slander. I'm I don't here for it. Oh, my I'm God. I'm all here. Bring it I don't in. Oh, my hear. God. If aren't a stat, if QB wins aren't a stat, neither are QB losses. He gets the responsibility because he's the quarterback, but he is not the reason that the Falcons gave up a Super Bowl win and the Colts suck ass. All right. He is not the reason that they lost. He's those not, games. not the reason. I don't want to hear this. He scored one offensive touchdown yesterday. I don't want to hear it. He scored like five in the first half. What do you want? No, he didn't. They scored one offensive touchdown in this game. No, he's talking don't about care. the Super Bowl. Don't oh, care. okay. I'm not talking about the Super Bowl. I'm actually with you on 30, that game. 33 points in the first half. A fucking team of blind men should be able to hold that lead in the NFL. It is not his fault. It is the that is all on the fucking defense and the coaching staff. That is the whole team collectively. I don't want to hear that it's his fault. I don't. I don't. It just if it's You're his not fault, like Jimmy Garoppolo is the greatest fucking quarterback of all time. I just don't. I don't want to hear that. Anyway, I'm not. I'm not saying it's his fault, but fraud. his name is tied to it now. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. He deserves class, he deserves play. He deserves blame. He's not blameless in this. But he's going to get all the blame because he's the quarterback. That's how it all rolls. I don't want to hear the Matt Ryan slander. He needs to retire, but he is not. He is not responsible for those losses. I I won't argue with you on the Super Bowl. I because there goes a lot, and there's a lot of people that should get blamed. He's part of it. But again, the reason this one is more on his fault is that his play. Has Does he play so defense? Much. Is it Derek's car's fault when the Raiders give up 40? When I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You are He's so bad. When you are so bad at this stage of your career that they have to literally just line up and run it three straight times. He's like, if we trust this guy to throw, we expect turnovers at this stage of his career. Yes, there is a blame there. They had one offensive touchdown in this game. If it wasn't for the Vikings completely imploding in the first half, 
on special teams. This is a game that the Vikings were better than them for 40 minutes of the game. It was just, they were getting themselves into so many bad situations in the first half, whether it be undisciplined, whether it be the defense not tackling. It was embarrassing for everybody. The refs were terrible. It is not on Matt Ryan. He he deserves some blame. Yes, he does. He didn't throw an interception. So what are you afraid of? That's the coaching staff. He didn't. He couldn't. That's fine. Inability to be a fucking NFL coach. He's a veteran quarterback. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not just one guy, though. He's a veteran quarterback. You have the play calling at the line of scrimmage, too. They could not throw. They were afraid to put the ball in the air in the second half in this game. Against the league's worst secondary outside of Baltimore. Were they afraid or was Jeff Saturday just trying to run out the fucking clock? Both. If you're terrified, so. you're going to turn the ball they, over. They were scared because they, they were running out the clock because they were scared. It's like it's 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 a couple things. I'm telling Running you. out the clock with a 33-point lead should be an easy fucking money win. The Colts You're right. Suck. It's not on Matt Ryan. He deserves some I don't want to hear the slander. Period. I don't want to hear the slander. You've been a Matt Ryan not- hater for like nine years. I don't want to hear the slander from you. This is, but that's what it always turns into. If, if I disagree, were up 33 if I and disagree, lost 39-36, it wouldn't be Derek Carr's fault. He would get blame. I literally gave him blame last week don't, when the Raiders don't imploded tell me it's in the not fourth one quarter. guy, then you only point to one guy for it. Like, it's not one you guy. Get blame. There is blame to go around. He gets there, some of the blame. He 100% shares some of the blame, but the whole fucking world is going to blame just him for that fucking loss. But we're not. We're just saying he deserves some blame. I don't want to hear the slander. I just don't want to hear the slander. He has been ass. He has been booty cheeks since that Super Bowl. Period. I mean, the good one. No, he has not been None. since the Super Bowl. He's been cheeks for two years. He's that been Super ass six three years ago. Years. No, You're five outside years. of your years, fucking whatever. mind. You're yeah, outside been, of your cheek, fucking. He's mind. been cheeked for two years in three in three increments. That's this six is the years. closest he, I've ever been done? to putting the guy in the Hall of Fame because now he's a part of two of the most impressive no, you're, you're accomplishments in the NFL. We will have this discussion in the offseason. You're outside your mind. You're you're just you're lost. Matt you're Ryan lost sucks. Carrie Underwood's not top ten. Let's <laughs> fucking move it on. You're, next you're both outside your fucking depths here. I don't know what to tell okay, you. Can I say one thing though? Not even about that. Do you realize now? How impressive the Houston Oilers comeback versus the Buffalo Bills must have been because that was against a Hall of Famer and Warren Moon. You had a backup quarterback in Buffalo behind Jim Kelly at the time. And they did Frank Reich, ironically enough. That's a great point, Stephen. Wow, that's a really funny full circle moment. But you do that in it's just crazy to look back and you come back from 32 where this is. A team that was in the mix to get the number one seed in the NFC versus a team that's having a historically bad year. It just puts into perspective how insane that playoff game probably was 30 years ago. And I almost felt bad that it got upstaged by this game. The Miami Dolphins head into Orchard Park, the snowy, ever so cold Orchard Park. You know the one I'm talking about. Buffalo Bills went 32 to 29. And honestly, I think that. I think that we could stop the Miami and the Tua weather talk. Okay. It was a competitive game. It's exactly what you want. And this has been his greatest showing the past three weeks, which really isn't that good. He's been playing some pretty, pretty bad football here. But Josh Allen balls over 370 total yards. 
And yes, Miami's now on a three-game losing streak. And this is the best they've looked in just in the month of December. But there's going to be a couple games on here that are winnable, and I can still see them being an 11-win team here. Now I'm winning the division now because now Buffalo is steamrolling that. Now their eyes are focused on the number one seed, which they have right now. But did Miami do enough for you not to hop on the band, hop off the bandwagon? And how did you guys think that uh, Josh Allen and the Bills looked this week? The Dolphins are riding a three-game skid against phenomenal teams. You know, that last Well, wild... the Chargers and two really good teams, but yeah. I mean, the Chargers on paper are the best team in the NFL, but we won't talk about their disappointments. Right now, the Dolphins are 8-6. and six. They're going to need to finish at least 2-1, and one, and they have the Packers, Patriots, and Jets. Those are all winnable games, but they cannot take the Patriots and Jets lightly because those divisional games could eat you alive if you don't come fully prepared for those games. I think they have to win both of those divisional games, to be honest, because I think they're sitting, I think the the Jets and the Patriots sit right on their coattails for that last wild card spot. So if they end up losing one or maybe even, uh, there's no way they get in if they lose two, but if they lose one of those divisional games, there's a real potential. I don't know what that division tiebreakers look like and everything, but there's a potential for them to get shafted by their own divisional division rival. So those are those are must-win games for them. You know, one of the unnoticed stats of the game will be uh, Miami's front five only gave up four pressures on 33 pass-blocking snaps. That's a elite performance against an elite defense, even without Von Miller. As for the Bills, they basically they come away with a playoff berth, clinching win. Josh Allen looked elite again. And I'll tell you what, if he – plays like that going forward and if we're past the the dip and the the terrible play they might be my favorite again to come out of the AFC I don't know the only performance that will go totally unnoticed is Tredavious White who only allowed three catches on eight targets and forced two incompletions it might not seem significant because you know Hill and Waddle still dominated but it could have been much much worse for Buffalo without White Wally what do you think about the Bills the Bills go as Josh Allen goes. It's not hard to figure out. We all know it. And he was a lead again on Saturday night. He looked unbelievable. The problem is, who do you get? You have to win three or four playoff games. Are you going to get elite Josh Allen three or four times? Because this is a team with the injuries that they have that is not good enough to win a Super Bowl if Josh Allen is not playing at a very high level. I think it turns into now. That game, that week after Christmas, I want to say it's either the New Year's or the week after, against Cincinnati, has so much implications for everybody in the AFC. We're at a weird point now where the Bengals, the Chiefs, and the Bills all have very real possibilities of being the one seed. So that game is going to carry a lot of weight. I think that they have, if they're at home, at Orchard Park with Bills Mafia, we saw how electric that was on Saturday night. No one wants to go there, but it's just a different beast playing them on the road. And I think that that's why we're going to really have to d- dive deep into that Bengals-Bills game. Before the, the Dolphins, real quick, the one thing worth mentioning to me is Tua's accuracy now, three straight games, has not been where it had been the first 11 games of the season. 
They were eight and three and Tua was like throwing basically Geno Smith accuracy numbers out there. The last three weeks, he's been 50% completion, like right around there, 17 of 13 this week. Last week, he was what, 10 of 25 or 10 of 30, whatever it was. It was a ridiculously low percentage. It makes you worried that this is a team that is kind of getting figured out on offense. And if that is the case, the Jets elite defense, that's a bad matchup. You said they play New England, at least a functional defense. And then, well, I, I can't even remember the third one, the Packers. We'll be rooting very hard for your your boys, Stephen, because that's going to bring a lot of intrigue to the AFC if they can get it done next week. That's all I have on those two. To circle back, the Bills have the the best uh, home field advantage. What other fans are slinging ice balls at the opposing wide receivers mid route? I was watching that yesterday. I was like, undisciplined. Holy shit, I was. Oh, I know. Act like you've been there, but you know they've been there. And fifteen yard penalties. You, you got to have better coaching than that. It was only if they, if they connected on yeah, it, it, it was going to be like a penalty. Well, so I guess it just shitty arms in Buffalo. It's just a, a running trend. Yeah, <laughs> I think they all have elbow injuries, and it's so damn cold out there. You got to, you just got to give them a break there. But no, I think the way that Buffalo came out and they won this game, they needed something to like David's point. Yeah, they're playing elite, but they needed like a convincing win. This three point win is way better than the three point win against Detroit on Thanksgiving Day. The Browns covering against you uh, the week prior to that. You know, they just really haven't had any convincing games. And you know what? Shocker. An offense led by Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle put up some points and they put up some yards, as they should be doing. I know we haven't seen them the past couple weeks here against the California teams on the West Coast. But nonetheless, Miami, they get a three-game winning streak going in there. They can get some confidence in there, at least host maybe one playoff game. I think we need a Nick say on the weather talk, but then we'll circle back here in January when they're hitting the road again. Moving on to, you know, my favorite team in the NFL this year, the Detroit Lions beating the Jets in New York 20 to 17. The Lions, since their bye week, are 13th in DVOA. The team is six and one in their last seven. Hooey. You know what? I'm just going to dive into it. You know, I, I let's get it. Let's let's get after it. Right. So despite the stats are misleading in this one. Right. So despite combining for 570 passing yards uh, in the game, it was actually a shitty day for quarterback play. Zach Wilson completed only 12 passes, but had 270 yards. He recorded two big time throws, but had two turnover worthy plays. For the Lions, 170 of their 252 passing yards came after the catch, which is kind of astonishing. Jared Goff just had one managed one big time throw, and the Lions literally avoided. I think the the big news. Let me re, rewind there. The big news for me in this whole game is not that the Lions won because we all you know deep down we knew that was going to happen because go Lions. But big news for me is that the Lions avoided throwing it in Sauce Gardner's direction all game. He was targeted once on 38 snaps. For me, that's ultra impressive for a rookie to already have that reputation. And all in all, the other, the two biggest takeaways, Zach Wilson sucks. The Jets are better off without him. The Lions are, in my opinion, an incredible 2023 draft away from being contenders. Hold that to it. 
Yeah, and, and we really have to kind of look into their cap situation. I don't think that they're – I don't think they have really any big contracts outside of just eating up Jared Goff's contract. But a couple things like of your takeaways I like of your notes. 170 of the 252 of Goff's yards were after the catch. That's wild for how, how much we've been praising this New York Jets defense and what they were able to do after the catch. So kudos to them. Sauce Gardner, my God. Like, this is ridiculous. He is the second coming of Darrell Revis. He might be better. You know, I'm not even going to try to go in that lane right now. But to your point, ultra impressive. When's the last time we've ever seen it Seen it happen? I'll answer it for it. We've never seen a rookie quarterback have this stature and just have this respect around the league this quickly. What, 13, 14 games into his professional career? I don't know what was worse. Zach Wilson's player, the fact that he is already training to start this Sunday. I will give credit where it's due. Zach Wilson did, did play well down the stretch. He did lead them to a quote-unquote game-winning touchdown before the Lions went down. But then Zach Wilson turned around and put them in field goal range to tie the game. Greg Zerline, it never had the chance. Greg the leg, no. That was bad. I don't, know, I don't know if it was a prosthetic leg he was kicking with. I do want to question one thing because surprisingly, I think, I think all three of us actually watched this. When did we think in the beginning of the year that week 15? We're like, hey, circle this Jets-Lions game. This is going to be the one that we're going to watch this week. Zach Wilson's trying to lead them down the charge here to get a field goal to tie the game. They have a completion. Jets have all three timeouts and don't call it. They, they let 10 to 13 seconds tick off the clock while they try to run and get a playoff. What are we doing? What's the point of keeping all three timeouts if it's not for this situation outside of, oh, damn, they have the ball back. We have all three timeouts. We'll see if we can stop and get the and get a punt, and then we can go try to win the game. There's 25 seconds left. What the hell are we doing, Robert Sala? Okay, are those extra 10 to 13 seconds going to change the game? They might. They just fucking might. That's an extra play. And with how quick people are doing it, that might be an extra two plays. Yeah, to your point, Zach Wilson might have gotten them into field goal position, but 58 yards isn't field goal position. That's a that's a prayer. That's a hope and a prayer. Might be field goal position today's day and age, but like to your point, you but get not in fucking New Jersey where Greg no. legs his record's 57, so it's just right off the precipice of it. Yeah, it's 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 not really that's a hope and a prayer at that range if you're not in a dome. It's a hope and a prayer. 13 seconds is at least one full long play or it's two very quick passes for you. It's been a theme for like three years now in the NFL coaches fucking suck at time management. And it's, we're getting to a point where, uh, where did, where did it happen? Did it happen in, uh, God, who was it? Was it Denver who hired like a a time coordinator or something? Uh, I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember. I can't remember what it was, but like, we're like a clock management like, coach. Didn't Steven, are you bring that up like a couple weeks ago? Yeah. I, it's like, a, it, you know, it's somebody who literally watches the fucking clock and we're getting to a point where like, honestly, you need to put somebody on the payroll to do it for you because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that you're losing. Like it's embarrassing that there are 13 year olds out there that have better time management in Madden than the best people in the world do in the live game. And the thing that got me too is Bill Cower on CBS today after one of these games this week was talking about his clock management. And it made me laugh too, because even now, like he has coach brain where it's like, he didn't know how to explain 
why things were going poorly with clock management, where it's so easy to say what he did at first, but he like didn't know how to go from there. But he goes, you obviously want to save all three of your timeouts until there's a minute left. Well, that's the first problem. If you're boxing yourself in to this way of thinking that you need to have these three timeouts at a minute left, that's where you get yourself in the problems. I, there's so many of these guys where like, the ones that get me are with like three, four minutes left when they're trying to ice the game or get the ball back even. And you have these guys that refuse to call timeouts until like the two-minute warning. Call it with four minutes left. Put these guys in a position where they have to make a decision. Am I going to throw and try to win? Or am I going to actually just run and sit on it and they're going to get the ball with three minutes left? I, I That's really frustrating. And I, I don't know. First of all, credit to these two. They're, they're saving my life today. I am fighting for my life out here, stomach problems. So I missed the first half of this. So if you guys have said this, I apologize. But Ben Johnson is getting a ton of pop these last two weeks. He was getting it at the early part of the season. I know the, the three of us loved him. We're like, God, this is a Lions team scoring a ton of points. Where did this come from? This guy's a superstar. I mean, look at the calls this guy's making in the last two, three minutes of the game. The trust he has in his offense. Last week, he's throwing wide receiver motion passes to his left tackle. And then yesterday, he's throwing to this guy, Brock Wright, who I didn't even know existed until yesterday. Hand up, completely honest. Nope. And, I mean, it's just like the ball's on this guy right now. There's something to be said. When you have a coach that trusts you but isn't like Brandon Staley and over the top with these calls, it's it resonates. And this is a locker room that loves this coaching staff. They want to play for this coaching staff. And I tell you what, no one in the NFC wants to see Detroit in the playoffs because they can go on a real, real run. That's all we had. Me and David were just bitching about the time, the lack of time management the entire time we were here. So That's I'm perfect. sure you, I'm if what were your thoughts? Cause Zach Wilson hits like a 25, 30 yard play. They don't call a timeout with all three timeouts and let 10 to 13 seconds wind off the clock, which eventually leads to a Greg Zerline 58 yard field goal attempt. But that's what me and David were talking about. You call that timeout. You need one play, one long play or two short plays. That 58-yard field goal can be a 48- to 40-yard field goal. I tell you, Robert Salah hated Zach Wilson more yesterday than he has all year because we're not talking about it at all if that fourth and 18 play is incomplete. It's just another, oh, well, the Jets disappoint late, didn't get a stop. I don't think we get the same talk about this timeout. But then, of course, Zach Wilson, best play of his young career, converts on fourth and 18 to Garrett Wilson – and it almost became a nightmare really fast for Robert Salah because it looked like there was a split second where he was going to go down after the play clock or the game clock ended. And then he wouldn't even have had a 58-yard field to do a try. So, I, I mean, I love Robert Salah. I think he's a great coach, but it's been what the talk we've had all year. This is such a like an epidemic in the not only NFL, but college football and high school football. Clock management and coaches – one of these days, one of these teams are going to be really smart and they're literally going to make it like a program, like a side program where they, whether they have game clock operator coaches or whatever, they will make this something they get better. And that team's going to be way ahead of everybody else. Something we didn't really talk about at the beginning of the show, I guess, preface, which if you watch sports, you understand. Yesterday was arguably one of the best sports day ever. 
we have the we have the FIFA World Cup. Well, I guess Saturday you had the Vikings game with the best comeback. But then we have this game, the Dallas Cowboys blowing, just blowing a 27 to 10 lead to the Jacksonville Jaguars in Duval. I mean, this is bad. First and foremost, I'm the fucking man for picking Duval Moneyline last week. I'm just going to say it. Oh, that's I huge. Had a ride with, I had a ride with them last week, but down at 17 on one point, Trevor Lawrence then leads them on a 24 to 7 run to get the game tied up. Dak and the Cowboys choking away the lead. Any chance that they can get, if it was a turnover, just not extending, not extending drive. After just barely escaping the Texans, should we be worried about the Cowboys right now? I'm not going to put them on like panic warning, but it's like definitely now in the back of your head where maybe this is just a mid-season blues. We've seen it with teams like Kansas City, Buffalo. There's just a few with Miami now where there's a stretch where they just don't play to the level we expect. I'm going to be worried if they lose to a Gardner Minshew-led Philadelphia Eagles team, but I don't think that's going to happen. I do think they're going to respond, and when they do, it's just all systems go. Get to the playoffs, worry about everything from there. This elite Super Bowl defense that we've been kind of talking up last two weeks, 830 yards given up, only 206 of those are through rushing. So over 600 yards through the air over these past two weeks. 51.6 percentage of third down conversions allowed. Six touchdowns, 63 points allowed. Oh, I forgot to mention, this was against Houston and Jacksonville, two of probably the bottom 12 to 13 offenses. And they're only ranked that high because Houston's probably a bottom three offense. And Jacksonville's now starting to come together, but they're playing catch up from what they're lackluster few games were during the season but i mean this defense just isn't playing well either the whole team i feel like yeah i mean 40 points against a once thought elite defense has me wondering if the cowboys defense that we knew from the first 13 weeks of the season is is gonna return or not if it doesn't you can chalk this team up for another franchise playoff loss in their first game my only positive for that defense was Micah Parsons, who, shocker, was dominant. He had a pass rush win rate of 32.4% and had a fumble recovery to go along with it. As for the Jags, it's a tale of Trevor Lawrence, who who honestly has dominated the last few weeks. Since I think week nine, he's put together something like 1,600 yards, 14 touchdowns, one interception, a 111 rating and 71% completion percentage. The Jaguars, I I think we said it early on in the season, but it's starting to play out where the Jaguars, the Lions, and the Jets are my my teams that can become immediate contenders if they just have a a near-perfect 2023 draft class. I don't disagree at all because this Jaguars team right now I need to be careful saying this so that people don't think I'm comparing them to the Kansas City Chiefs. But the San Francisco. Dude, you think that Trevor Lawrence is Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> exactly. And thank you, because that is what I'm trying to avoid is that they, I, you go back to that San Francisco hosting Kansas City game early in the season, and we saw the San Francisco defense get warped by Patrick Mahomes in the offense. I get that this Jaguars team is not them, but. Trevor Lawrence is taking massive strides. 
70% completion over the last six games, over 1,600 yards, 14 touchdowns, and one interception. This is a Jaguars offense that is blooming before our eyes. We are seeing Zay Jones. We are seeing Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne. Hey, by the way, they get Calvin Ridley back next year. That's a great point, too, because this is an offense all over at running back, at wide receiver. It's just a team that's growing. You can tell with Trevor Lawrence, with Doug Peterson. And that's why I'm willing to give the Cowboys a little bit more slack because I think that the Jaguars are not what their record says they are. I do think they're better than that. And I think they're going to win the AFC South now. I'm officially on the Jaguars will win. And here's the thing. With that comeback win, and we'll get to the Titans' loss, but they control their own destiny now. Jacksonville's last three games, at the Jets, at Houston versus the Titans, all very winnable. Tennessee's last three, home against Houston, home against Dallas, at Jacksonville. I don't – who are you guys picking? If you had to choose at this very second, is this the Titans division still, or are you going with Duval? Oh, I'm rolling with the Titans still. I mean – I don't know. The Jaguars, while they've been on a little bit of a tear, they also are, you know, up and down all season long. So I'm not going to act like their last three games are going to be like this one. They very well can do it. I'm not saying it's impossible. I it's just, basically tied right now, considering the fact they have the tiebreaker and they have a head-to-head game left. Right. And I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm not going to bet on them, but they very well could do it. I do think they could lose to the Jets pretty easily. Houston could beat both Tennessee and Jacksonville for all I know. Fucking hate the AFC South. Anyways, yeah, I, I don't know. I just Tennessee until until they don't do it, I would just bet with Tennessee, just like I have all season long on them winning the division. Wally, I'm with you, baby. Give me Duval. I think Houston's gonna beat Tennessee this week. Hopefully, I keep that same energy uh when the gambling time comes around. I think Tennessee's gonna lose to Dallas, and I think that Jacksonville. After fresh off a victory of the New York Jets and the Houston Texans, going to Tennessee, relaxed, ready to go on a four-game winning streak and take the AFC South crown. The fact that they play each other in Duval, the fact that Ryan Tannehill's injury, we don't know how bad it is right now. That's another thing, yep. Derrick Henry hasn't really been himself in the last month. It's just feels like a lot of things are going wrong they just fired their gm todd downey had his dui since that packers game has anything good happened for tennessee i feel like they've at the last month has been from hell you're not wrong you're not wrong and to your point if tan hill's out for the last three weeks yeah I, well, I that, that with, changes it i, we, it, we now, I bet with that. jacksonville if he's yeah. hurt for three weeks absolutely jacksonville is, is where i bet but I, I, if Tannehill's playing, I don't, I'm still going with Tennessee. But uh, speaking of, of seasons from hell, you mentioned months from hell, but seasons from hell. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders win in a miracle at home against uh, New England, 30 to 24. Holy shit. I, you know, if you don't know what happened, everyone needs to go back and, and watch some replays of, of, <laughs> The final play of the game, I guess. The Raiders got lucky. I know Wally doesn't want to talk about it. If if it's not for the worst decision of Bill Belichick's coaching career to try and lateral at the end of the fourth quarter, 
the Raiders very well could have blown their fifth 13 plus point. Week. If it's a fifth, Wally, is this a fifth? Fifth yes. 13 plus point lead of the season. That, I mean, an, elect- an absolute electric ending for people watching, but still a very concerning game for both teams. You know, the Pats need to win out for a wild card spot, and the Raiders drastically need to figure out their second half woes. I don't know what else to take away from that game because I don't know what's wrong with the Raiders in the second half, but it's like they it's like they are comfortable with leads and go, you know what? We don't have to play this game anymore. So, Wally, I need your thoughts on it. Or or Steven first, because I yeah, know. Yeah, go Wally, to Steven. Um, I don't want to talk about Wally's going to give us the rant. I know it's going to happen. So, Steven, you no. better get your words in. How do the Raiders almost blow another 10-point lead? I mean, they should have. They I'm, not really sure that, I'm not really sure that Keelan Cole touchdown was actually a touchdown. And all these people are, are going on Twitter saying, yeah, look, here's his foot. And I'm like, yeah, the black of his cleat is clearly on the white of the ends. It just it just makes no sense. I don't think it's a touchdown, but if you're going to call it a touchdown, there's not enough evidence to overturn it. So I understand the, the call in itself. I just don't personally think it was a touchdown. Not not coming from a place of hate, only love Wally. You know what? Kudos to Josh McDaniels. Not the way he drew it up, or exactly the way he drew it up, but not a lot, not a lot of people can beat Bill Belichick from coming out from under his system and a quote unquote a born again first year head coach, let alone that's doing it. So the Patriots, Ramondre Stevenson, what are you doing, man? That was totally on you. You shouldn't have started that chain reaction. But first of all, if it's Ramadre, if it was talked about in the huddle on the sideline, what are we doing, New England? This is not because you're losing. You are tied. No one in the history of the NFL has like, you know what, fuck it. Let's just try this because worst case scenario, we just go to overtime. No, worst case scenario, you throw an interception. Your wide receiver throws an interception to Chandler Jones. He stiff arms our franchise quarterback into oblivion. And then now we're losing the game and probably out of the playoffs. My God, Wally, take it away, brother. Who cares? If this ma- if this happened and either of these teams had prayers, maybe it mattered. All this is is something that you're going to see on YouTube compilation videos for the next 20 years of a meaningless game because this did not matter, period. It did not matter. The playoffs are gone. If anything, catch me in April talking about how I wish it didn't happen because of- we're four picks further down. That's where I'm at. I don't think this was a Bill Belichick thing. I don't think this was a like a planned thing. I think that this was as soon as Ro- Ramonde or how do you pronounce it? Can you why don't you help me out? Ramonde? Ramondre. Ramondre. Ramondre Stevenson. He pitches the ball. And then immediately after Jacoby Myers, you could just tell it was like panic mode where he's just like, oh God, end of game situation. What do I do now? I, I think it was just a like a really weird accident. And I felt so bad for him in in the post game. He took it on the chin. He wore it, said it was his fault over and over again. And it just seriously almost breaks your heart watching these players in situations like this. It kind of soured the moment for me a little bit, knowing that, I mean, this is a guy that's been fighting tooth and nail to get his opportunities in New England. And it just, that's a career defining play. It's a lot like Jermichael Finley with, the Packers, I know it was a very different situation, and that was a postseason game. But, like, you don't want to imagine these players get known for their one-play mishaps, and that's unfortunately what happened. As for Keelan Cole, I agree that it probably was incomplete. I'm not going to argue that. The takeaways for me 
is that how don't we have cameras going down the lines at this point? It's 2022. We have soccer literally can figure out if you're a nut hair off from technology. Fuck soccer. Think about tennis. Tennis, the ball literally hits a hair of the goddamn out of bounds, and they know. They know. It within 15 seconds. VAR, you can – I'll debate with you on VAR. VAR is good and bad. But, like, tennis, it's, like, whatever technology they're using to see the sideline – sorry for the bang – to see the sideline, why can't we get that in the NFL? Why can't I just get, like, a, like a hairline laser that just, like, goes down and if, like, you cr- if you step on it, you know, I you get an alert. Like, what – there's so much technology that you could use to prevent stuff like that from being debatable. It's that, and it's opening a can of worms that we in postseason we'll have to talk about because every year we have those offseason like rule changes. But it's not only that; it's like it's 2022, and we're using chain games to decide if the ball gets somewhere or not. Like go back to that Vikings in Colts game. If it wasn't for the refs trying to give a makeup call to Minnesota. Matt Ryan got that first down on the quarterback sneak. Nobody's talking about that either. By the way, this is also eight days from hell and just like a middle finger to Raiders fans. Going from the Patriots to the Steelers, where all I'm watching in the game is replays of the tuck rule in the immaculate reception for the next eight days. Guess what? I hope he was out of bounds. I hope they definitively prove it. And I hope that it goes on every freaking TV in New England for the next month. And I hope it costs him a playoff spot. I don't feel bad. Go to hell. It happened to us in the tuck rule, and we're still having to see it every day. Fuck you. I hope that it hurts. The Tennessee Titans going to SoFi, where the Chargers went 17-14 to here off a last-second field goal orchestrated by the one Justin Herbert on an amazing throw. Dicker the kicker coming in, delivering. I was kind of upset about how boring this game was. You know, Tannehill looking rough out there, but better than what Malik Willis was doing, that's that's for damn sure. King Henry was kind of keeping this offense afloat, five yards per carry, over 100 yards in the game. And if you guys haven't seen it, Brian Tannehill kind of messes up his ankle, gets carted off, and all of a sudden here he comes back in like late in the second or early in the third, coming right back in. But Justin Herbert's kind of looking rough. Yes, over 300 yards, but only two interceptions to throw for it. And although he did deliver an absolute strike to Mike Williams to set them up for a game-winning field goal that they ultimately made, this game can be extremely important for the Chargers' playoff chances here. They will have the tiebreaker when Jacksonville does win the division and the teams are clawing for those wild-card spots. But now, on the flip side, Titans have lost four in a row with Houston, Dallas, and Jacksonville left on their schedule. If they lose to Houston... That has been a pretty competitive team. They're doomed. They're they're already doomed right now. Chargers should end their season on a four-game winning streak with Indy, Rams, and Denver left on their side. So they can be going in the playoffs hot. But talk about the two different teams. We have a four-game losing streak with a two-game winning streak with the Chargers. How are we liking the Chargers right now? I feel like we've talked a lot about the Titans here in the AFC South in general. Let's get it over to the west side here. Let's see how the Chargers are looking. The Chargers clinched the playoff spot, in my mind, yesterday with this win. All the dipshits in our fan bases, David, between the Raiders and Browns fans, any one of them that are trying to talk people into playoff hopes, that game ended it. This was a game that had to go Tennessee's way, didn't. The Chargers, now they're playing some of their best football of the year. I know that his stats don't look great, but Justin Herbert was playing well yesterday. It just goes to show that sometimes being – 
like box like box score football fans is hard because people that watch this game, Herbert, that throw at the end of the game to set up the field goal is a throw that only a couple quarterbacks in the NFL can make. Like the elite of the elite make that throw. I do think that they're a team that can be scary. They're also a team that's very inconsistent. This is a Titans pass defense that's right there with Minnesota's as abysmal at this stage of the year. And it wasn't able to be exploited the way we expected it to. They're going to lose, whether it be to Buffalo, whether it be to Cincinnati, whether it be to KC. But if you are the AFC South champ, whoever it is, Tennessee or Jacksonville, you don't want to have to host a team like this either. Well, speaking of playoffs, honestly, my only takeaway from this game really is that it kind of felt like a wild card game. Felt like, you know, both run games are playing well, defenses are playing well. Just seemed like a preview of a playoff game. Like the 415 uh, like, Saturday game. Yeah, it just it, – it didn't feel like both teams kind of play well, but I'm not, like, that interested outside of the fact that it's the playoffs. But Like, like just, neither of these fan bases are booking Super Bowl tickets after this game. Right. Right. And so it's, for me, it felt like a wild card game. So, I, I mean, it's interesting, but that was my only takeaway. It's, it's probably two playoff teams that are going to end up playing in the wild card that are, you know, they might not play each other, but this is, this feels like a preview to a first, a wild card playoff game. With that, let's talk about a team that's a for sure Super Bowl contender in the Cincinnati Bengals coming back from being down, God, what was it? 10, no. 17-0 late in the first quarter or second quarter. So I turned the game off after that. Funny how that works for me. Apparently, I'm just a fucking curse off of anyone that I want to win. But whatever, we won't talk about it. 34-23 Bengals. Look, this was a slow burn. I turned the game off. But Joe Burrow comes alive in the second half. They they take the lead. They complete a comeback win. He goes 27 of 39 for 200 yards and four touchdowns finish the game with an adjusted completion percentage of near 80%. As for the Bucks, the only real positive I took away from this was Carlton Davis, who all but shut down Jamar Chase. I mean, he he finished the game with like a 76 grade in coverage. He had an interception, three forced incompletions. I mean, that's about as good as you can do against an elite receiver uh, like Jamar Chase, but moral of the story, Bengals are a playoff team. They're a, they're a contender, and the Bucs are a joke. Tampa Bay is a joke. Literally the first four words on my notes on here. You're up 17. All they do is just give up 34 unanswered. Tampa just blew this. And you know what's mind-blowing about this game? They're still in first place, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in the NFC South, which blows. That's for the Bengals, hottest team in the NFL, winners of six, six in a row. They have a solid shot at ending with the number one seed in the AFC. They just need Kansas City to lose one, beat the Bills in two weeks, and it's all there. A lot easier said than done. I do want to kind of pose this question because I know you're kind of going into it, Wally, but there's been a – there's outside of this podcast, there's a lot of Bills talk. There's a lot of Chiefs talk. Everyone else on the outside. No one's talking about the Bengals, really. Why is everyone overlooking them? I think that the early start to the season has some to do with it. And I think another large part to do with it is the stigma around the Cincinnati Bengals. Even after they went to the Super Bowl last year, what was all the offseason talk? It was flash in the pan. Bengals are still going to be the Bengals. This is a team that has an elite quarterback 
I would argue right there with anybody in the league. And this was a great example of what that can do for you. This first half, the Bengals had 83 yards. It was the fewest ever in a Joe Burrow game. And what happens in the second half? Don't get me wrong. Tampa Bay imploded, and I'll get to that. They were, it was actually kind of remarkable what they did. But the Bengals found ways to win. It's what they do now. It's almost like this is a team, I don't know, there's something in the, the water in Cincinnati where there's a belief that you can win any game. Like you lost Trey Hendrickson, which I don't think people understood how big of a loss that was. You could really feel it in the first half. I know Tony Romo and everybody is doing the Buccaneers motion. That's what everybody wanted to talk about. But Trey Hendrickson being out, you could feel the pocket being not as pushed. Then you lose Sam Hubbard. It sounds like he's out probably the rest of the regular season. That's a big loss. You have, I haven't seen the update, but you also lose Cam Britt Taylor or Cam Taylor Britt, excuse me, the rookie safety or cornerback that's been playing really well in Jadobia Wuzier's absence. The Bengals are really good. It's just they got to be careful not to get the injury bug hit them too bad. But this is the crazy part. David, I know you turned it off. I don't blame you. It was 17-0 with less than a minute left in the first half. By the time we were three minutes into the fourth quarter, it was 27-17. to This was not only the Bengals coming out motivated and coming out with the will win, the Buccaneers completely imploded. It was Tom Brady's first loss in his career when they were up 17. They had one point late in the first quarter. They had more first downs, 15, than the Bengals had plays, 14. And then the second half, this happened. First five drives, botch fake punt to Giovanni Bernard, which we can get into another time. The interception, fumble from Tom Brady, fumble at the 40-yard line, and another interception. All of those drives gave the Bengals the ball on plus side of the field. It's where they got all of their points from, except for, I want to say, a touchdown late in that field goal to end the first half. Everything came off turnovers. The Bucks imploded. It's been the story of their season. And look out, because the Bengals just keep finding ways to win. Those were all consecutive drives in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe First a drive, drive or two. Literally. And you only read about an implosion like this in books, in magazines. They're not supposed to happen in real life. Again, the amount of comebacks that we saw this weekend was ridiculous. The amount of choke jobs that we saw this weekend was hilarious. And it just, it just goes to the – I think this speaks more of how the Bengals are looking versus Tampa Bay. We know what we're going to get with Tampa Bay. Everyone is either on the fence fully in with Cincinnati or on the fence with Cincinnati. And if not after this game, you're definitely on the side of, yep, they're going to win. This team is just so dangerous right now. And they're going to just keep getting healthier. Hopefully, hopefully they're not losing more on the defensive side. When I say that healthier, it's more of the offensive side of the ball. We know what Tyler Boyd has been in and out with injuries. Same with T Higgins who left only after a snap last week. This Bengals team is they're coming, they're hungry, they're interested, in, they're interested. They're they're just ready to they're just ready to, to pounce, some would say. Just leaping bangle, bring it last back. Year. Exactly. Go gals, baby. I get frustrated. I, I just brought it up, but that the leaping bangle tiger is to me one of my favorite logos in the NFL. And they are still trotting out that stupid ass B. For the last 20 years, it's so boring. It's terrible. You have like one of the coolest like designs in football with the striped helmet. It's so unique. And then you have this shitty B you throw on midfield. Bring back Leaping Tiger, damn it. 
I'll even go as far as even the one before that, where it was almost like a, it was almost like a Tigger creation or like animation type deal. But I think that's just like the face of Leaping school. Tiger. Wait, nah, which I one are you see. talking about? This is great. This is good podcasting right here. People at home are like, what is going on? Like the, like the stiff arm bangle. The stiff arm bangle. Now you have to show me because I'm talking Leaping Tiger. This is the guy I'm talking about. If I could, if I could pull it up. This guy, that should be the damn logo. Look up the one before it. You, oh, this old... one? Yeah. That's my my that dad loves sick. that. He loves the – my dad's a caveman, so he still loves the Paul Brown throw the word Bengals on the side of the Cleveland Browns uniforms and pretend that they're different. But Yeah, 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 sick. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. That's a sweet logo too. But either that or Leaping Tiger. That For me, it's one or the other. Stop with the B. What if they did a C with it? I'm seeing, I'm seeing some. I hate C you. Ones. Shut up. No, it's not a. We already have, have the Cincinnati a... Reds. We don't need another C in Cincinnati. Sorry, as the, you know, resident doctor of English, I just thought that you would appreciate letters. I guess put, I'll go fuck the, myself. The, the, yeah, absolutely. Throw the stupid, uh, oh, the chili logo, skyline logo. I don't care. I am good on that. Last game that we had this week, we had the Sunday night football game where the New York Giants come out on top 20 to 12 over the Washington Commanders. I always, always want to call them Commodores. Either way, Kayvon Thibodeau, have a game, my guy. I want to say that he had like seven pressures, like two and a half, three tackles for loss or sacks, a fumble recovery, a touchdown. I mean, he went full Khalil Mack on the Washington football team, Washington Commanders. And that's really all I have. Saquon doing his thing. Danny Dimes just continues to underwhelm. The Giants offense only, they put up less than 300 yards, but it was the defense that came alive with two fumble recoveries, one for a touchdown by KT5. That's going to stick. You watch. That's going to stick. This was a massive win for the Giants. At 8-5-1, and one, they're likely only need two of three to make the playoffs convincingly and their final three are the Vikings Colts and Eagles the Colts is a winnable game Eagles are likely starting their practice squad in uh, week 18 it's a doable feat for the Giants as for the commanders while they're slated as the last wild card spot they also likely need to win two of three to hang on and their schedule is the 49ers Browns and Cowboys that's a brutal tough finish which that's means- got to be one of the hardest last three game stretches in the league yeah, and, and that means that this loss is probably the turning point in the wrong direction for them. You know, as, as far as individual performances go, Saquad's once again focal point of a Giants win. He was responsible for 11 of 19 first downs. On the defensive side, as Stevens already touched on, Thibodeau was the star of the night for New York. He came up with that strip sack for a touchdown. He also racked up three uh, tackles for losses in the run game. On the interior side, Dexter Lawrence totaled five pressures, 26% pass rush, pass rush win rate. I will say that fast at some point in the duration of a podcast. Anyways, the Giants played a tough football game and won, and you know what? They're likely in the playoffs for it as long as they don't choke the rest of the season away. And that probably sucks because I want it to be Seattle. And it's just the NFC East, credit to them for having four teams in the position that they are. But let's not kid ourselves. I mean, the NFC East, the bottom two, the Giants and the Commanders are not what the record says. If anything, you just, the positives with being whatever these guys' 
overinflated records are is that you would imagine that this buys these coaching staffs in this like groups, the cores, another season. And that is probably good because you have all off season to whether brand free agents, whether to have a decent draft class. This is a good spot to be. The thing that got me, and it wasn't even a player that played, is Chase Young. It just shows how we can't just like assume these guys are back in short periods of time. Sometimes these surgeries, whether they didn't go as well or as planned or the rehab just doesn't go as well. This guy got hurt over 12 months ago, and he's one of the craziest, like craziest athletes we've ever seen. And it's just his knee hasn't responded yet. You hope to God that he not only gets back this year, but you hope that he's at the same level. It just goes to show that in the last 20 years, we've gotten so spoiled. Where knee injuries like this used to be career ending. Now it's just, oh, we'll see in 12 months, sometimes eight or nine. So that was a little worrisome. I felt bad watching him on the sideline, hoping to God he gets back this year. You guys probably talked about it again. Props to you guys holding I'm fighting for my life out here going to the bathroom every few minutes. The illegal formation to end that game, Terry McLaurin, you can see on video, turns his head to look at the referee, gives him a thumbs up, make sure he's on. Ref says, scoot up, scoots up, does a thumb up again. It looks like the ref gives him the okay. He said post game, he got verbal confirmation that he is on. And they call a flag when... Terry McLaurin isn't even remotely in the play. They don't even try to block because they know it's going to just be a a run up the middle and it's five yards. It's a tough call. But if he gave verbal confirmation that he was on, even if he was off, that is on the ref because your job as a wide receiver is to get that confirmation, get the thumbs up. And who knows if that's the case, we might be looking at another 2020 tie two weeks apart in the same teams. When you watch the video, you can, you see him just holding, he's like, yeah, 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 you're, yeah, you're good. And just holding on to the flag, like, yeah, you fucking idiot. I'm going to get you for this. It almost looked like it was the ref when, and we were just talking about it last week, uh, the Chicago Bears player that ran into the ref, quote unquote, ran into the ref. And it looks like the ref literally sticks his ass out with his hand ready to throw that flag. That's what it looked like. And I saw a funny tweet that said, you know, people are going to look into this and how are people not going to have a lot of rumors about gambling? about how the NFL is not fixed, which fun fact, I saw something. I don't, know, I don't know how much I can credit this, but Uber facts on Twitter, pretty credible source. It's not an entertainment. Entertainment, not a sport. They can fix games. It's not true. That right there. That right. How do I don't it's know. Literally, that nice. <laughs> that's the problem. That's what's scary about Twitter and stuff though. Cause that's how yeah. fast it gets out. That blue check, baby. The blue check, that's all it took because there were a lot of NFL reporters because I think that was spiraling somewhere else a couple weeks ago. And they literally had to come out and say, please, for the love of God, don't believe this. They they physically are not allowed to fix sports. If you did, it'd be illegal. Do not believe this. So it looks like it. I don't even blame you. That was a tough look last night. But at least in theory, it's not entertainment. And I don't know. Those refs were just trying to give the Colts the game against Minnesota. Just saying, all the all the facts are there. You drilled it though. It sounds like, according to David, you'd hit on Kayvon Thibodeau at the top of this. It it's about time that if you're a Giants fan, what a home run now because the first half of the year you were nervous because you weren't getting that production you thought. He looks like he's finally healthy, and not only healthy, he looks like he can be an elite edge rusher in his own right. 
So that's my last two cents. Let's wrap up now. Let's go to our last minute predictions for Monday night football, which is starting here in 13 minutes. Let's go to David first. I'll, I'll actually, Oh, you know what? Let me go first, give it to David and then go to you, Steven, let you wrap up talking about your boys. Baker is my only hope to win my fantasy leagues, which is a desperate problem for me because I'm going against the Packers defense in multiple and I need Baker to at the very least put up points. I don't see it. I'm seeing this is like a 20 to 10 Packers win. I think it's going to kind of be just not the highest quality football, David. Low quality football for sure. But I just have a, a funny feeling, just a funny feeling that one of these teams is going to dominate the other. And my bet is the Rams. And I don't know why it's just, it's an inkling I have, but to make Steven feel better, every inkling I have is especially with betting has proven to be fucking dead wrong. So, you know, there's something to that. True. But I just picked the Packers too. Oh yeah. You're fucked now, Steven. Go whatever. As long as as my prop hit props hit, I don't know why David woke up this morning and chose violence in our group chat. He was dogging. He was dogging my boy, Aaron. I pop in here to get my notes. I see. Oh yeah. We got the Rams. All right. Baker Mayfield quote from Jari Alexander. He's going to throw seven interceptions. I don't think it's going to be that high. I think he's more of a five to six type of guy. Uh, You know, just coming back to green Bay, he's going to be a little bit chilly. He's going to have nightmares of what he did last year. I think green Bay is going to come out. I think that they do cover the spread. I think it's just going to be an ugly game. Shocker, an ugly primetime game. Stop me if you've heard that before. Two quick things. One, I got to be honest with you guys. He looks good in the Rams uniform. Maybe he was destined to be a Rams backup or whatever. He looks good in the uniform. Second thing, I I think that, hmm, how do I, I wouldn't worry. Hmm. I'm, I'm trying to even word this right. This is, where David and I are more comfortable than you, Stephen, because we're used to going five and eight to start a year. I can feel it almost in the back of your head. It's just like, this isn't fun. This is like, no, we can't lose. Sucks. It does suck. And we're just so used to it that we're numb to openly criticizing our own team. So I don't think David's trying to take shots at you. It's just, I don't know. We're, no, we're well, used to seeing bad football. So we just expect well, it's it. that mixed in with his love of Baker. So you got to respect it. Bro. Go Baker. What sucks? What sucks right now is that there's still, still hope, and I'm like, why? So I'm at, I'm at this point. I'm like, dude, we'll just get a top, top 15 pick. But no, we're mathematically not in here. And damn it, who would have thought NFL teams were full of competitive men? Never would have thought. So we're here. If Green Bay loses tonight, great. Now we can focus on the draft and get Jordan Love out there. Then we can fucking trade his ass. But if we win tonight, now I have false hope extended way longer than I'd like. Yeah, great. All three of us with six and eight teams holding on the false hope. That's great. With that negative comment, that's going to bring us to an end of another episode of Lost of Down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Lost of Down and Twitter, down underscore loss. Remember, this episode is brought to you by tabbies.com as well as Abby Turner Creative. We do want to give you a heads up. This is going to be our last episode here for a couple weeks. We're going to take a nice little Christmas break, get to kick back, Enjoy the games. Still bet on them. Don't worry. Wally, David, do we have any parting words for the fans tonight? Merry Christmas, everyone. Amen. Merry Christmas. Oops, sorry. (laughs) The way you walked that back so quick. Oh, sorry. I didn't hear what you said, so that's even worse. I'll hear it when I'm editing. I just thought I over-talked on you. Oh, David said Merry Christmas. I said we have Jewish listeners, so.
That's a great point. Happy second day of Hanukkah to everyone out there. Boom. And Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. I'm sure there's about another dozen holidays I'm forgetting, but happy all of them. I hope they're all great, unless you don't want them to be good. Have a happy new year. We can't wait to see you in 2023. That's probably, we'll probably go undefeated to start it off, right? With the, Between the playoffs or the you know last couple of weeks and the playoffs. I'm just saying 12 days. I'm actually, I'm 13 days away from having a sports book, eight minutes away from my house. This is bad. Oh, it's the first three months, man, was, was held. You got to be careful. I just got to get hot. You know, Kylie's over here complaining about how I don't have a ring for her. Definitely getting pushed back a couple months now because of the sports book. I'm sorry, babe. I love you. Yeah, now she's just got to realize she can't expect any kind of proposal in, I guess, the NFL season. So uh, maybe regular season basketball, probably not because it'll still be new. Looks like we're looking at July at least. Minimum. LOD Country, let's ride. We'll see you in 2023.